Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 168. Makes me want to go bumpty bumpty. <laughs> my name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Everything I say is going to have an exclamation mark in it. Because you're exclamatory. Because <laughs> I'm exclamatory. Well, largely because uh, our two guests this evening have an exclamation mark implied in the uh, in the name of their company, Bamboom Entertainment. Uh, it, it was actually like it's not in the domain name, but it's it, I saw it, it with the yeah, it's, it's I saw there in the logo. Implied a non-exclamation mark, right? Right. Well, uh, we, we've got uh, Gillian and Donna coming in uh, talking to us about what they do at Bamboom Entertainment, which is quite a, a unique part of uh, television creation. And uh, we'll let them tell you all about it. I don't want to spoil any surprises. Unique's the word for it. But it is, uh, <laughs> it, it is a fantastic thing that they do, and uh, I'm amazed. I'm just constantly amazed. And you can do it too, in the comfort of your own home. It's true. It's true. How to make television by yourself. That's what they'll be teaching you later on in the show. We're also going to have a look at uh, a new show that has started or is starting or something on Channel 10. Has started. It has started. In fact, the second episode, I think, is on tonight. Tonight being Tuesday Tuesday night. night. We're recording this. Uh, Lie to me with uh, Tim Roth. Lie to you with Tim Roth, but he's not here. You're so good looking, Josh. I did that to you last week, Crawley. <laughs> I did. But I what did Tim Roth say? Uh, t- Tim Roth said, I'll have the money for you next week. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, he Tim. He won't. So we're going to do a uh, quote, lie to me, unquote. <laughs> uh, I've also got a, uh, a brief review of the first episode of Underbelly in case you missed it. Uh, and, and if you did. Yeah, very very few did. Uh, we'll find out more about that later on in the show. Uh, there's hopefully going to be some letters to box cutters. We've got some pork. We've got some Ray Watch. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. We're going to lead with the saddest news we have. Of course, you've probably heard that Victoria was ravaged by fire this week. We've had... Uh, so still being ravaged. Still being as, ravaged, as, we're as, as we speak. Um, dreadful fires. Uh, it's, it's thought that uh, 200 or so deaths um, around uh, many lots of home. Uh, amongst those who lost their lives were former Channel 9 news reader Brian Naylor, who uh, certainly is well known, I think, to anybody in Victoria. Yes. Um, uh, he, he also hosted uh, Carol's by Candlelight for many years, which is how the rest of Australia... Got to know him uh, before Ray Martin took it over. And started off uh, actually hosting a music show on the telly, didn't he? Yeah, he, he started off at, uh, Channel, set or? at Channel 7 and uh, and then Channel 9 got him to uh, to do the news after Sir Eric Pierce left. And uh, and he was doing it for something like 20 years. And he was certainly yeah, an icon of, of Australian television. And um, sadly, he and his wife, uh, Moiree, died... Um, on the weekend there's also uh, actor reg evans uh, a character actor that you certainly would have seen in things as diverse as mad max blue healers flying doctors homicide skippy and prisoner as of today the 10th of february he cannot be located right and it's thought that he and and his wife have probably also um 
perished. And he's 80 years old uh, as well. Uh, 81, 81. 81. Still active, though. He's just uh, completed a feature film with Paul Hogan. And, and yes, uh, he lived in Kings Lake West, and his, he and his wife Angela have not been seen but, since he was helping someone to try and, and uh, save their house. But, but of course, as you said, John... Hundreds of people have lost their lives in, in it, these fires. It's always, yeah, look, I, I did say before, I was worried that, that we're not trying to say these people are more important than anyone else who has lost their life. A lot of people have died. It's been a really terrible week. And you can give money, and you should, at redcross.org.au to help people who've been. Uh, and also, also blood. Uh, they need blood, plasma, platelets, uh, anything you can spare. Uh, go ahead, try, try and book yourself in, because that's a very important part of uh, of saving lives that are still at risk. So that is, yeah, that's our, tap, our really dreadful news to start off with. Um, now hopefully we can go back to being, you know, asinine. Uh, Brett, you've got some asinine news uh, about Underbelly. Oh, about you want me to uh, go with that one? Yeah, go with that one. Uh, well, uh, Underbelly, of course, uh, premiered last night, being Monday night, uh, around the nation and has... Uh, become the most successful television program launch ever, attracting an average of 2.584 million people across uh, the first episode, yeah, which was in the first hour there. That's, uh, that's an extraordinary figure. I mm. mean, it's, it's not Olympics opening night ceremony figures. They get around 3 million, like just a little bit over. But for an Australian drama... It is an extraordinary figure. Yeah, yeah. And as I was having a look at it uh, last night, I was actually uh, thinking, or, or I had the feeling that uh, because of the, the bushfires and all the coverage that we've seen of that, uh, that Channel 9 might have been uh, having a bit of bad luck the second time around with Underbelly in Victoria. But uh, yeah, they've uh, exceeded expectations. Resoundingly, the uh, TV Tonight website's got a couple of comparative numbers as well. Just mentioned Catherine Kim's premiere episode on Channel Seven had two point five two million people in two thousand and seven, while Always Greener premiered to two million in two thousand and one. Wow, that dropped off quickly for Always Greener, didn't <laughs> I it? Was, I was a bit surprised actually by Always Greener being on that list at all. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's strange. And uh, of course, as we uh, reported uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago. Underbelly has already been signed to a third season, so uh, which we may actually see uh, later this year. That'll be very interesting. I believe that's Underbelly Babies, isn't it? That one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's animated. That'd it's it's animated. It's, it's going to be good. Uh, a few weeks ago, we brought you news that Channel Seven, as well as several film studios, were suing the internet service provider iInet, saying that it authorized its users to illegally download copyrighted material. I have no idea where they get that idea from. I'm well, with iInet, and I can't imagine such things happening. Well, it's it, it is a, a curious case. Uh, Friday last week, the suit went in front of the federal court in Sydney to basically nut out the the terms, uh, especially being whether or not authorization is the same as just not stopping users from accessing the material. It's it's very murky water that they're travelling in. Not only that, but there are provisions in the Copyright Act called Safe Harbour Provisions, which protect a service provider against the actions of its users. So, so in theory, they can't actually take Ironet to court? It's, well, you'd think so. The so whole hasn't it been struck out before it but, actually but the whole thing's The whole thing is very, very murky. And uh, in an interview with ABC's PM program last Friday, Adrienne Pe- Pekotich... I'm guessing, Pekotich, uh, from the Australian Federal 
Federation Against Copyright Theft, mm. or AFACT, mm. said, the law says that IINet has a responsibility to prevent non-copyright infringement over its network. So how they do that... Which law is that? ...is a matter for them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this uh, is, this uh, is a thing... I mean, they're, 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 and this, this happens uh, in, in the States with the MPAA and the RIAA. AFACT uh, is basically taking the same uh, kind of strategies where they just overstate everything that uh, works in their favour, like the, the, the amount that they claim that the industry loses from, from uh, any perceived piracy um, is always overstated, and, and, and it, there's no way that it can be... I've always that been it can actually know, be based in fact. Well, where those numbers come from, and, I, and I've actually—they yeah, make it up. We should try and chase it up because uh, I've seen it, yeah, from local organisations. Yeah, how do you put that money on on the money you're losing? Uh, I'm always quite curious to think. You know, I'm not going to buy the DVD of Interview with a Vampire ever, but I may choose to download it. Actually, I wouldn't. That was a bad example. Yeah, it's a, b- a bad example. I'm, I'm a crazy man, <laughs> but you know. But the point is like. Yeah, and, and do they include TV shows which, you know, in all honesty, air freely anyway, especially in countries like the UK where they're paid for by the license pays? I, I just don't know. I don't know where these numbers come from. They seem to be completely made up. Hmm. Yeah, and, and is it actually lost revenue? I mean, that's that's another thing as well. Mm-hmm. Are they actually losing revenue from it or uh, is it just getting more people to see it so that maybe they'll go to the cinema for the sequel or they'll uh, tune in for Underbelly, the sequel? I mean, Or, or it, they'll buy the box set, you know, for the extras. And, well, you know, it's, yeah. that's it as well. I mean, I, Underbelly's huge numbers probably wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for, uh, you know, people selling them at traffic lights. <laughs> uh, in Victoria, especially. And uh, also... The, they don't seem to... I mean, how they do it is a matter for them, says uh, AFACT. How are they going to say, okay, well, if it's BitTorrent, they can't block BitTorrenting because uh, there are legitimate things that are provided through through BitTorrent as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they going to have to go through and start blocking IPs? Well, isn't this the whole uh, censorship of the internet that, uh, that we've been talking about? And it, it leads to really bad things as far as our our freedoms go mm. I, I mean yes they they have a right to protect their copyright but surely there must be better ways to do it than this surely john uh no the round right but thanks for asking hey. um can west we talked about a couple of weeks ago i believe um a global economic crisis we can just say that over and over again really until it means something um can west own most of channel 10 they hopefully will still be owning most of channel 10 although they are no longer going to be owning most of their canadian uh, television stations where they're actually based and they're selling off e that's got an exclamation that mark. That does have an exclamation mark. E! E! You might be familiar with E! News! Which is just newsy and E. And What, the E standing for entertainment? E! You'd, okay. You'd think so, but I've seen a lot of that channel. <laughs> it's an ironic channel. They're, um, they're flogging off uh, E, which is their free-to-air network in which, Canada. Which, also, just, just in Canada. Um, well, it's, it's selling off five of its television stations in Canada. Well, maybe it's... Is it, is it E exclamation mark? Well, is it, that, it does have the exclamation mark on the bit of paper I have here. But are we thinking perhaps it's a different E? Well, it could, it could be a different E because I, I would think that E uh, would, would be a, a quite a profitable uh, station what, what with their 
uh, lack of actually having content <laughs> yes, and uh, micro and, budget content, uh, and also shows like uh, Snoop Dogg's Fatherhood and uh, Girls Next Door. And they've been, they've, here it's called Girls of the Playboy Mansion. Right. They also have a news thing called E News. They do. They uh, do. And they also have the very funny The Soup with John McHale. Oh, they, they do indeed. But uh, they are flogging off virtually everything. There, there was worry there might be, again, yeah, rumours keep popping about them. So if Channel 10, although it's been pointed out here, that there's actually no likely buyers for Channel 10. So luckily, Channel 10's unpopularity will keep it safe. Hooray! Now, talking of uh, E News, uh, they report... <clears throat> that uh, last week's Super Bowl uh, was interrupted for some customers of Comcast uh, in Tucson uh, by a 30-second burst of porn. <laughs> a burst of porn? Hang on, hang on. Is this Nipplegate all over again? Well, it's like Nipplegate, except it didn't go to the full country, um, and it was much more explicit. Uh, it was transmitted to roughly 80,000 Comcast customers and showed a woman unzipping a man's pants, followed by uh, some full frontal male nudity and uh, uh, actually a bit of a uh, swinging of the junk around. Right. Yeah. Brings, brings all new meaning to dick in a box. The Can you promise never ever to say swinging the junk around again on box cutters? <laughs> the clip originated from the adult cable channel Club Jenna um, and uh, was, what well, it was screened uh, with only 2 minutes 37 left of the game. So uh, probably the, the, the highest uh, trafficked part of the, the uh, viewing public there. Um, and H- How uh, did it happen? That, I think that's the most important part. Is there you any know information? how these things happen. You're putting some TV to air, you accidentally play some porn. It's happened to all of us. Uh, they are uh, looking into the matter. Uh, Comcast's internal investigation suggests that it was an isolated malicious act. Ah. So uh, somebody, it would seem, has got into uh, a switcher there somewhere and uh, switched over the main channel showing the Super Bowl to uh, Club Jenna. That's, uh, that, that, is, that is funny and wrong. There's a lot of outrage over in the US and uh, a number of people saying, oh my God, the FCC should come down like a ton of bricks, except the FCC uh, doesn't actually cover cable over in the States. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, is that more interesting than your ACMA news? Well, back uh, closer to home, ACMA uh, have announced... Uh, that's the they've questionably announced. I don't think <laughs> announced is a strong word for ACMA. I don't think they go that far. Yeah, yeah they've uh, suggested, okay. <laughs> they've pondered. According to ACMA's website, uh, the Nine Network will be required to uh, put go in place- to its room and have a long, hard think about what it's done. No, they've, no, they've no. Gestured, gestured towards the Nine Network. <laughs> will be required to put in place more regular, rigorous classification procedures for uh, future series of Underbelly and uh, also uh, anything with Gordon Ramsay in it. <laughs> do, um, they, do they specify Gordon Ramsay? Has he been... Yes, under an, in, under an enforceable undertaking accepted by ACMA. Uh, Nine will also reclassify repeat broadcasts of a number of the episodes of the original Underbelly series. And uh, we'll implement additional training and reporting processes. Uh, so it seems that the production company uh, responsible for Underbelly uh, weren't completely au fait with uh, what causes a show to be classified in a particular way. 
Uh, this is this is the first time that ACMA has been offered and accepted enforceable undertakings. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I'm scared, ACMA. Oh. Um, so it's it, it's quite it's quite interesting because I mean the the commercial television. Uh, industry in this country is basically self-regulated and so it's it's pretty much the I, channel i, I know 9 a lot and, of uh, 14 year old boys who are also self-regulated <laughs> channel nine and win have uh, have deigned to say okay well if we do it again then uh you can take some action against us i guess then acma will use sarcasm <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm so glad you showed that episode of ramsey oh swearing that's clever isn't it <laughs> oh acma it's a cutting and that is the box cutters news. Hello, this is Frank Thring, gossip from heaven on the box cutters. I bumped into Ray Charles the other day. Well, he bumped into me because his dog's not dead yet. Thank you, Frank. It from does, the grave. It does sound like Adam Richard at the wrong speed. It, it does. <laughs> it does. I wonder why that is. Because I said to Adam Richard, "Can you do one as Frank Thring?" He went, "All right." It's not a great story. <laughs> it's not a great story. You know what is a great story? The story of our two guests, Gillian Bartlett and Donna Lyon from Bam Boom Productions. They, uh, they, what, did, did I say that right? You can- Nearly. You got the names right, which is fantastic. But we are Bam Boom Entertainment. Oh, sorry, Bam Boom Entertainment. <laughs> Also, you said Ben Boom better than Josh. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got an exclamation mark at the end. <laughs> not, not here, it doesn't. Damn! Not in the notes from John. Not on the website either, but it's quite hard to put an exclamation mark into a URL. In my mind, it's got an exclamation <laughs> mark. Let's try that again. Gillian Bartlett and Donna Lyon from Bam Boom Entertainment. Fantastic. How, how's that? Well, welcome to Box Cutters. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Bam Boom Entertainment does... Uh, a, a fairly unique job in in television. Uh, can, can you tell us what your uh, what your productions are, are primarily consisted of? Well, I suppose um, Bamboo is is unique in that we we fill a niche. We fill uh, a niche that's sort of quite low down the evolutionary scale in terms of um, production and uh, budget. Probably does that answer your question? Not quite. Not, not, not quite. Okay. In in what way do you, do you uh, only use pets as actors? No, it's it, essentially what what you do is uh, you, you uh, pull together news footage and uh, collect it together and then put it in the right order to uh, tell a, a story that you want to tell. We repackage content, uh, so uh, essentially creating television shows or one-off DVDs using archival material, and uh, that's researched, ordered, written sent to an editor who cuts all of the, that footage together. It gets a voiceover, a mix, and uh, away it goes. A few nice graphics, of course. Mm. Package, make it look pretty, and out it goes. Hence the bamboo, sort of out the door it goes. So effectively, we're talking about taking uh, dead footage in a way, aren't we? It's like it's news footage, generally, that, that, that has been yeah. for an event or whatever, and putting it together to make something that... that I'm trying to find a nice way to say filler. It's... it's it's filler, isn't it? Well, it fills a slot. Yes. Uh, and it fills half hour. And I'm sure that we're being very unkind to it here because one of our shows, Zoo Babies, um, as you can imagine, walks out the door because it, it's very popular. It's a show about, you know, lots of baby animals and who wouldn't want that? So tell us, tell us about Zoo Babies because that's a, a brilliant example. What, how, what happens in, a, in an average episode? How, is it, how does it work? And how do you approach it? 
Well, it's a kid series, so um, obviously, you know, you have to write to that audience. And essentially, you're taking uh, the birth of a baby elephant uh, in Copenhagen Zoo or um, the birth of a... A giant panda. A giant panda <laughs> and uh, in, you know, uh, Asia somewhere. And you talk about panda facts and you say, you know, pandas like to eat bamboo, uh, for example. Uh, ten, I, ten kilograms a day, actually, when they grow up, which was, you know, so we do learn a lot from making these shows. <laughs> I forgot that bit. Um, so, uh, you know, I will look at, basically, I would order that footage and I'd go, okay, well, you know, I'm going to just, or a um, baby monkey and a you know a leopard or whatever, and just um, whatever kind of comes to me that uh, research-wise, I'll look at that footage and just go, okay, well I need about eight stories to fill that episode, which is, runs for twenty-four minutes. So I will then look at the footage and go, okay, we'll call the pandas falling over lots. So I'll also make a little joke there about the panda falling over. But generally, I'm not even going to refer to the image. I'm just going to tell you about panda facts and, you know, know, and that's sort of it. Um, Well, you know, so you can look at lovely pictures of pandas falling over at the meantime, you know, and it's – but I think that's a show that I I would watch. But that was on the – in London. Where where was that? You you told your dad – Oh no! I think yeah, it's, it's actually being shown and free to wear in England. So <laughs> we, you know, we may we may mock as much as we like, but I think the way that where content is going, that you know, the fact that you can actually get some great archive footage and tell a new story with it, we make an awful lot of celebrity shows, a lot of red carpet stuff, you know, and and e e news has been doing that mm-hmm. for years. Mm. You know, we're perhaps just a little bit uh, more honest with it, and maybe give it a little bit more of an edge. So with with the zoo babies, like, do you just go? Like, like, do you really just throw around the names of animals? It's just like pandas. Let's see if there's pandas. I mean, is that how you approach it? How we find, yeah. Well, there is, you know, footage databases that um, that a client we work for has. And, you know, basically if you go in there and you search on crocodile, it'll bring up all the stories that may, you know, involve a crocodile. It might not necessarily be, you know, a very nice one. It might be, you know, about some dwarf that's been eaten by a crocodile, for instance, which you won't put on. But, um, you know, there's actually a hell of a lot of stories about animals in the world because whenever a baby is born in a zoo, out go all the local news crews to sort of celebrate the birth of their, you know, platypus or whatever it may be. So there it is. So you actually get, like, footage of a selection of platypuses in in different zoos kind of cut together to to cover the... No, not really. We No, we only use one story and then, you know, two weeks later we'll uh, use another story about a platypus and try and tell some slightly different facts. So you'll have to be very selective about what I choose to tell in that sort of five minutes uh, because I'll know I want to use it again. So do you just start Um, making stuff up eventually? Yes. (laughs) Hilariously, Donna did actually write a series of zoo babies, which is my idea, and I probably know a little more about animals than... um, than Donna does. There was a couple of occasions I was doing, because we, we sort of keep it in the family, I might narrate these as well. Um, you know, I was actually in the in the voice booth doing the narration and sort of saying, you know, the orangutan. And I think, that's not an orangutan. That's a gorilla. I'm pretty sure that's a gorilla. Um, so there has been a bit of confusion at times, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> they walk on their knuckles or something. <laughs> it's an animal. Yeah. yeah. How, how much uh, How much time does it take to, to do the research for, for these stories? I mean, sure, uh, getting the correct animal aside. Uh, how long does it take you to open a, you know, page of Wikipedia? You know, it... <laughs> 
I don't think we should be. I think we should just stop this right now. We're giving away all our secrets. No, seriously, to research, you know, to look, to order stories, to search Mm -hmm. a database, because you've got a very clear brief, you know, where the work is generally is in the pilot. So it's the first episode that they're going to, this client we work for will take to the market and try and sell that. Right. So, so somebody comes to you and, yeah. and much like Mission Impossible says, uh, within two weeks, give us a show about... For Yeah, for, about luxury, for right. example. So we'd, we've got a series at the moment about luxury. Now, we know that that, for, that pilot's going to be, you know, like pulling teeth just to kind of get it right, you know, the, the, the feel, the structure of the stories, et cetera. So writing that might take – I mean, look, it's, it's only ever going to take one to two days to write yep. a 24-minute program. It's going to take an hour to research. but because you And you're quite targeted in your – Kind of, I guess. But you, you mean you know an hour to research the stories when you're when you're writing it. Obviously, it takes a lot longer than that. Yes, yes, uh, a lot longer. <laughs> no, two days. Uh, so um, you know, um, but it depends how much you want to kind of pour over your script. I mean, for those budgets, you wouldn't want to work more than two days. And I think that right. that's what we would expect of our writers. They can take a week; it doesn't matter. But if you want to make this viable for you. Just do it in a day, do it in two, you know, and then and then you know, really, it is kind of it's just good bread and butter. Because we are money. talking about micro budget, sort of yeah, television, yeah. aren't we? And, and I'm assuming also micro crew. Like it seems to be there's what three. You know, you've got uh, a writer, um, an editor, a mixer, and a voice artist, and then graphics. you know, graphics, um, and then us as producers. But essentially, but you know, we're, we you might... know, we're often doubling up as um, writer or, or narrator ourselves, and you know dishwasher yeah <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was going to be elaboration on the so dishwasher it is fascinating I've, I've seen a bit of um, uh, Kylie Minogue Evolution of a Pop Princess which mm. is one of yours and what was really fascinating about it was that of course you, there's no music I mean you can't you can't get the rights at the, these sort of budgets to use Kylie's songs mm. But it wasn't until about 15, 20 minutes in I realised there wasn't Aha, any music. Yeah. you see? Yeah, if I was a crazed, mad Kylie fan, which obviously you would have to be to buy the DVD of Kylie Evolution Pop Princess. Um, Just crazed would do. <laughs> yeah, or, I, I, I'm, or, or, you know, a, an aunt who doesn't know her niece very well. That's mm. true. No, but I'd still get something out of it because it... it yeah, you know, it is actually quite interesting just to watch all this footage of Kylie over various years at these public events, seeing what she's wearing, seeing what she's doing. So it's kind of like... On some ways, I want to mock this mm-hmm. very much as um, as being kind of you know bankrupt television. But on the other hand, it is actually still interesting. Well, there itself. has to be. I like to think that we do have some integrity somewhere in there, and, and we do. And and so um, I think the writing still does have integrity. I couldn't write anything that I thought was terrible, and it just sort of comes naturally. I've just got to make it interesting. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna write a fifty two minute show on Kylie Minogue. I have to enjoy it. I have to find something interesting in it. And then, you know, in a way you do fall in love with that story. And, and, I, and I want to present something within that that people either don't know or, or find fascinating. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, it's no point in living, really, is there? <laughs> so what's been the hardest project to work in Other people in, might be very happy that there was no Kylie music in it. <laughs> the hardest project was uh, some of the first projects we took on together as a team, oh. Oh, which were a sport and, you know, sport, like we're talking, you you can't use music, but you can still see pretty pictures of Carly, you know, at an exhibition or, a, you know, down the red carpet. Sport, you see them training, you know, 
getting uh, going to the airport. Like literally, but, that's it. And but so you can't show shots of excellent goals. You, you cannot at all. Like it is so heavily licensed. Um, so we did a couple of uh, 52-minute uh, bios on Zinedan Zidane or whatever his name is, um, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, and um, a five-by-one-hour series called Goal to Goal beyond <laughs> the game. And it with the same footage kept sort of, you know, coming up in every series. So Beyond the Game is at the airport. Yes, yeah. Um, we do have a lot of shows called Beyond the Something. <laughs> we did a show called Beyond Stardom because, you know, basically we can't ever show it the thing itself, so we go beyond the thing. <laughs> Around the, yeah. the thing. But there's sport ones. You know, my brother, I, he was over from... The, the Perth and he sat down and watched I said oh you know come and watch what we do and uh, he fell asleep and he, because he just said to me I, I just don't know who buys this who could buy this and I was like you know what either do I but you <laughs> but for us it was also that uh, just that start of the process and uh, you know it has got better thankfully well we, we refuse we refuse yeah. to do you know beyond the game anymore yeah but you, you've also done uh, you know, much like Martin Scorsese a, a Rolling Stones documentary uh, an, an unauthorized an biography. Un- so, so just putting the putting the word unauthorized does that just does that just free you up of uh, any um, legal obligations? Well, it's funny that you should ask us about this one because this has been an absolutely huge major headache. Because the people that we made it for, through us making it for them, we actually made quite a, a, a credible show on the Rolling Stones. It sort of got put up for Focal Awards and stuff, and and. I was very proud of it. Um, we were able to use um, quite a bit of music that wasn't embargoed. But then as it turned out, over and above all the licensing issues, if the Rolling Stones wanted to, even though you have the rights to use their music sort of from the people who own that footage, if the Rolling Stones wanted to come in with their big you know, lips and, um, and ban you from using it, they, they could and make you pull it off the shelf. So we had to take that show oh. back. We had to take every skerrick of them on stage <laughs> Uh, any of their music out of the show and and hope that it still holds to get holds together and just, just try to put uh, old uh, ron woods footage from uh, the faces on mm-hmm. and, uh, foot, and foot, see if people notice footballers yeah. at airports you know just yeah. cut, cut them in but i think just going back to your earlier point john though surprisingly the stuff can still be quite interesting and that's you know that is what's um i that's think fascinating skill. that is the skill about it and you know Gillian, to her credit um actually has a kind of incredible knack of being able to weave together some sort of very interesting story. Um, you know, as, as I think we'd like to, when we're sort of telling people, getting people involved in the projects, that, you know, the facts that you want to bring up is stuff that, you know, people will kind of, I know this sounds really wanky, but talk about it after, you know, it's after dinner conversation. You know, you might bring that up and say, hey, did you know that blah, blah, blah. And they'll, they'll have heard it from one of our unauthorised biographies. <laughs> <laughs> That's our vision. Yeah, yeah. I, I must say, the Kylie one, there's this fascinating moment where um, it's, it's a shot of Kylie being interviewed. It's a red carpet somewhere. And we don't hear what she's saying. Like, it's a kind of, it's over shoulder. I think she's being interviewed by somebody else, possibly. And she's being shot. And it, but it's such a weirdly transcendent shot. She looks gorgeous. And it's an it's amazingly watchable shot. Mm of someone we're not even listening to. And I remember thinking it was almost strange that because you've taken it out of context to such a degree, you can actually stop and go, actually, that's just a really lovely shot. It's a really... Are there moments like that you find when you're going through this footage and... Well, see, another secret is I never look at the footage when I'm writing. (laughs) 
That's two for two. I have a look at the dope sheets. You know, I sort of see what the shots are. And so I pretty much can sort of see what what Kylie has said in the interview and I I will weave that through my script and hope that when the editor gets hold of it and and weaves it in, that it all works and, and goes swimmingly. So, you know, the editor is probably the one that's going to see that magic first. But the thing about Kylie is it didn't give me any more um, admiration for her as an artist. I mean, I really don't think she should attach that word to her name. But, God, she's good looking. <laughs> Isn't she? Yeah, I think she is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you get into a, a, a niche industry like this? How, how does that come about? You, you, you suddenly think, uh, I know. I'll, no. uh, I'll, I'll find, I'll, no, someone no, comes to somebody, you. Somebody came to me because, you know, it's so low budget. They kind of go, oh, I need, you're English. I want an English voice on this show. Um, you know, so, so, do you know anybody English? Oh, yeah, I know this girl. She might be able to do it. This was a few years ago. So I get roped in. I was terrible for the first few eps of this entertainment show called The Scene. You know, which is all that red carpet footage, you know, what's Angelina Jolie up to this week? And, you know, is, you know, Wesley Snipes paid any tax yet? That sort of thing. And, um, you know, once I started seeing that get put together and realizing just how it happened, we suddenly thought, well, you know, I could do this. (laughs) (laughs) My dog could do this. And um, but the trick is to 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 make it with some kind of integrity and to be able to um, make money out of it. Donna, you've you've done you know things like the Pacific. You've worked on huge budget productions. Do you find coming back to to these? I mean, does one make you appreciate the other more, or do you just come back to these going, God, I wish we had more money? Or do you like the freedom that you're allowed with this? I think yeah, I like the freedom, um, but this is only a sort of uh, you know just part of the kind of pie for me. You know, in that it's what's great about it is actually it's probably better paid than um, some of the other, you know, film and television, you know, sectors, depending on what you do, but probably in a production office. Um, So, but I've got that freedom, you know, and and it allows me to then pull my kind of, you know, uh, whatever things into the things that I want to do, my own creative projects. So, um, yes, but I do find it kind of really restricting. At first I did, it probably took me about a year to kind of, enjoy it um uh, and i i do now you know because it's easy you do get into this kind of rhythm and flow and um and it's kind of fascinating like uh, as i said before you know we we take our work into uh one mixer who just says you keep bringing in the same footage but you are putting a totally different angle on it every single time you know essentially he's just mixing you know we might we've done an unauthorized biog on you too but then a potted profile of uh, bono will come up in a celebrity series we're doing you know later down the track etc etc so do you have any ideas on on using the same format or ideas for for something more personal do you think there's there's other ways you can approach this sort of micro budget telly yes i mean i think you would always have to um add you know add some money to it um you know having being able to sort of hone this and do this on a really tight budget where it's fairly straight viewing you know we do have a bit of comedy edge to it where you know where it can be applied but mostly it's fairly straight fairly lowest common denominator viewing 
but we're looking at making programs where we use that same sort of footage but can do more with it, you know, make it funny. You know, we've got a show called La La Land that we're trying to get up, which is two oldies on a couch that sort of do the, the, the commentary each week, um, you know, and, ha- and add some live elements. So the cost is still, the archive element of it is still really cheap and we can write really quickly, but we can add the live element and, you know, and, and have, have a show that we can be really proud of and um, can pour our creativity into. And uh, what about... Uh moving it out into a, a greater documentary area. So y- you find some footage that you think is, is particularly interesting and then uh, and then seek to research that area a little bit more and then interview people and things like that. Is, is that somewhere you could go with it as well? Look, possibly. I, uh, I think where, it's, where this footage can really be utilised is if you're looking at kind of top and tailing it with a host... So you're still doing kind of almost the same sort of programs, keeping it in that low-budget realm and almost kind of vanilla programming, but you're adding a host to kind of liven things up. I just don't think it's the footage itself has the integrity to be taken further. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so not for, not for a documentary because it's just, it's too, it's, you know, it's news feed stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes, if you're just doing, it depends what story you're telling. And also I think that there's an element to this of us making this kind of programming is it is it isn't our, you know, great oeuvre. It's not it's not the big work. It actually is the bread and butter. We're doing this to earn a a better living than you could sort of in the supermarket while we're, you know, writing our feature films or, Mm -hmm. you know, got the, the. the big ideas on, but you know, unfortunately, <laughs> this has ended up taking far more of our time than it really should. <clears throat> but you know, I don't eventually want to be making shows with archive footage. You know, rather be making, you know, writing narratives and and, and fiction. This is also it's an only international project, isn't it? Because th- this plays in in European television stations. Like no one watching this in Europe would know it was an Australian. No, and also, you know, we'll always get an international sounding voice to, uh, you know, to be our VO. International sort of means uh, American or English. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mid-Atlantic. Yeah, Yeah. but generally also that they would just dub that voice. So, you know, if it gets sold in, I don't know, China, Turkey, you know, yeah, they just dub it. So so do you have to supply them with the scripts that they can then translate it? Yeah. So I imagine too, this must be the, the very rigid rules about what you provide. It's it's very similar to any kind of tech specs that you would get with uh, delivering a television program. Um, it, quite stringent. Um, yeah. No swearing. Oh, very vanilla. <laughs> well, the, the the problem is, um, it it really is difficult because it's not generally sort of targeted. You know, the, the client that we write for makes these shows, and it's sort of throw enough mud at the wall and. You know, they're, they're making multiple sales all over. They're not targeting one particular client. So one show might be go, go to Saudi Arabia and China and Croatia. And so trying to sort of tap into a particular cultural, um, you know, comedy, you can't do. You, know, you can't show any breasts or, or bikinis, you know, because it might go to a Muslim country. And so you end up having to water everything down so much. So to, so to get it you know, to to get some attitude in while not upsetting anybody is is the trick. With one of the series that we're doing called Deluxe, which is a luxury uh, series, one of the eps was about food and drink, you know, luxury food and drink. And it was quite a good ep, actually, because it was, you know, the history of the martini and, you know, things <laughs> like that. Um, but 
then they then they got a sale in a, in a Muslim uh, country, and so they we had to go back and take out in all of the episodes any story that featured alcohol. Oh. So you know, so and, just just for just, that country, yes. But no, no, we just had to take it out oh, and just, just from and the whole series. Basically, just edit it again, resupply it. Because um, surely so, I imagine there'd be a lot of alcohol in a series based around luxury. Well, it was because you know you've got champagne and you know blah blah blah. It, it can't all just be Cousins Imperial leather. <laughs> <laughs> no. We were saying before, um, the, as as we have multi channels and, and budgets being slashed and yeah, economic crisis, blah blah blah. Uh, is this the future of television? Well, I think we're suddenly shouldering a lot of responsibility because, um, you know, as, you know, there are no more eyes watching television, but there are so many more distribution channels to to be filled. So budgets aren't going to get bigger. They're going to get smaller. So we're going to actually see this kind of programming. That's probably all you're going to see. And so it's like, oh, God, we've got to do the best we can for the people (laughs) with this. And, um, you know, and we do promise, you know, we we are. We are doing our best with what we can on the budgets. You know, we we supply... um, I'm writing two shows a week at the moment, um, and they're... Both go 26 episodes. One's called The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. And the other one is The Hit List. You know, they're very celebrity orientated. But we're turning, we'll be turning three shows, four shows out a week. You know, four half hour shows a week. And that's <laughs> pretty, you know, high. And, um, you know, put, we, put we do our best with those. Put it in the machine and, and mm. bring it out the other. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a, an extraordinary field. And, uh, and uh, I'm so glad that, you could come in to, to talk about it on Box Cutters. It was really just fascinating. And I think th- there are, I mean, you know, Channel 7, Channel 9 still haven't announced what they're going to have mm-hmm. on their third <laughs> channel. It could be all coming up Gillian and Donna. It could be. It could be uh, 20, 20 to 1 beyond the, the game or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then nice. they get us in. And I Shots wanted of- to actually sort of say for your listeners that um, – if anybody's got a great idea on how to make a, uh, a show for, you know, $2.50 a week, um, that uh, please write in. And, and Donna was saying that you, what could we give? I think it's c- a couple of dollars. Or an associate producer oh, credit. Oh, associate producer <laughs> credit. Yeah, yeah. Whichever you choose. Yeah, exactly. You can have one or the other. And, and, and a caramello koala? Or is that going too far? <laughs> yeah, it's going a little right, too far. Right, Gillian Bartland, Donna Lyon, thank you so much for coming into Box Cutters this week. If people want to get in touch with you, they can go to bamboomentertainment.com.au? No. Just, just no, .com. A, just .com. See, we're international. Right. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, don't try and drag them down to our level. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll put that... <laughs> We don't have we don't have a .dot au at the end of our address either. No, I just just meant don't drag them down to our level. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> it's uh, it's filthy. We'll put that link up onto uh, onto the blog as well, so people don't have to try and work out how to spell bamboo. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Hello and welcome to today tonight. Soap and water. Hello and I'm Naomi Robson. Swearing. Ah, uh, Naomi Robson. She's not even on television anymore. No, but, no, we, but, but uh, we remember her as if it was yesterday. As if it was yesterday. Now, Brett, this is a very special Ray Watch that no parent should miss, isn't it? Um, well, no. <laughs> okay, and that was Sorry, Ray I'm, Watch for another week. No, no, I, I just think that uh, that uh, while we see a lot of uh, Ray Watch uh, subjects, this uh, that uh, that. Use that uh, particular line. This is not one of them. It's uh, it's more about how the news services and uh, current affairs shows have uh, 
have been covering the uh, the the. Spit it out. Come on. <laughs> I can't we need a noun. Bushfires bush in Victoria. Bushfires. Bush yes, yes. I, I was looking for an adjective. Yes. Just, just in case. Terrible. Hot. Yes. Flaming. In case you're listening to this in the far future, basically all of the state of Victoria has been on fire for the last sort of three or four days. It's been quite horrendous. Except, except the specific parts where we live. Yes. Zone we- one has not been on fire. Z- zone one in metropolitan well, Melbourne. Not for long. Has- right, it is currently... As we record this, <laughs> not on fire. Yes. Um, and look, I, I wanted to mention this because uh, I was in Bendigo. On the day that, that Premier John Brumby told us not to leave our homes, uh, I got in a car and drove into the, the most flammable bit of Victoria. Um, not a good plan, admittedly. Um, <laughs> look at me, Mr. Traveller. <laughs> I've been to Bendigo. I also went to Geelong last week. I've been getting around. Um, but... I, I was watching a bit of telly uh, where I was staying in Benigo to see if we were going to be on fire. It's a useful thing to know. Yes. I saw a couple of things, and, and I do apologize. This is so vague because I don't know what I was watching. I was watching Win and uh, Prime. I, I don't know what those are. In, in they have channels. Channel 9 uh, rural equivalent. Mm-hmm. It's the only television you can get outside of Zone 1. Yes, and I, and I can't actually remember which was on which. But and Prime is 7. I... I, look, people have said that the, that the coverage of this was, was handled quite well, but there were just these ghoulish moments that I found myself getting quite angry um, in the coverage. And the, the two I remember was there was a bit of footage of a house exploding, taken from a helicopter. And it was kind of a, here's some footage of a house exploding. We don't know if anyone was in the house or not. Maybe they were. And it's like, okay, the state's on fire, people are dying, and somehow you think your footage of a house exploding isn't quite exciting enough unless you plant the idea that maybe someone has just died while we were watching that and i thought that was actually a bit revolting Mm. you know that seemed a bit unnecessary and the other thing i saw was um now the 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 turning around news we've talked about before in the show um i've completely the 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 newsreader who turns around speaks to a green screen as if there's a person actually there. there's a person Mm. there so she goes you know now we cross to this person i'm turning around to look at a green screen and it, it is the weirdest thing to see she was interviewing one of their reporters who, and this was quite uncomfortable, the reporter was obviously just trying to get to his home to find out if his wife was still alive, which is, you know, an admirable thing to do. She was talking to the reporter as if he was like, yeah, I'm going to cross to our man on the scene. This man is not kind of together about this. He's obviously upset. He's like, and it just felt really manipulative. Like they were trying to pretend it was all above board while kind of trying to get him to cry. That was kind of the, the, the vibe I was getting. Yeah, let's get a human emotion. He's one of our reporters, so we can treat him in this manner. But it just felt, yeah. But, but from, from uh, his point of view, why wouldn't he just tell his, uh, his news director, piss off, I'm not doing it, I need to find out if my wife is alive? Maybe, maybe he felt that you know, his professionalism was he was supposed to do this, even if, if it, it struck me as being the wrong thing to do. Yeah, I don't know. But I, and I, just, I just felt... It'd be hard to kind of come at it at, with if he'd been out in the field doing the same thing, uh, that he would then turn around and say, no, you can't do that to me. It just seemed, yeah, it seemed... Mm. I don't know. I was, I was very uncomfortable with, with everything about this moment. And I was like, oh, And the I interesting thing is... That, so I saw, I saw the interview with uh, Norm Beam and, and his wife uh, on the Channel 7 extended news on Sunday night. Um, and also uh, the, one of the Channel 9 producers who was, uh, I think, from King Lake or just down the hill from King Lake and was talking about looters. Um, and uh, I think that was just last night. And, and in fact, they weren't really 
any better than than any of the other uh, uh, people in the areas that they were talking about and mm-hmm. talking to them about their experiences. What struck me was weird with those two moments. I was to see news news networks trying to bring sensationalism to a story that is sensational. Yeah. You know, you don't need to big up a, a killer fire. You know, there's well, that's that's true. I have to say, I, I watched the uh, Channel Nine Victoria News on uh, Sunday night, and I was very impressed with their. Uh, one-hour broadcast, uh, I thought Peter Hitchner did an excellent job. They clearly had their entire news force out. and uh, They and obviously had two cameras there for uh, where Peter Hitchner was as opposed to the ABC, which was Ian Henderson talking into what was almost a handheld camera and, and reading completely off notes, uh, whereas um, uh, Hitch was, uh, was going off cue cards. Yeah, well, you know, they, they had budget for cardboard. <laughs> Although I wouldn't recommend taking cardboard into a fire zone. <laughs> into a flammable area is not a good uh, idea. But uh, but I, I think they did a, an excellent job, and uh, it's it seemed every single story seemed like it would have been really hard to do, really hard to report on, uh, really difficult to get people's cooperation, and uh, and there was a lot going on as well, a lot of Victoria to cover. I I think. From what I saw, they they did a, a really good job. Uh, I didn't notice anything exploitative, but then a lot of the time I had my eyes closed going, the horror, the horror. Well, the other thing is I only saw those bits quite early on in the story. I kind of get the feeling that I don't know whether it's once the, the true scale of it became apparent, they realized they didn't need to do that and they calmed down, or whether, again, they realized the sheer horror of the whole thing was just so enormous that, again, you could calm down. Mm. Um so it's it's hard to tell, but it's just odd seeing those couple of moments going. No, that's I'm really uncomfortable with that approach to yeah to this story. I would like to say one story I did see and really liked, and 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 it is hard to find you know happy stories amongst this. But every time there is a fire, there's always a story in which a, um, a kind of burly farmer manages to find the cat that got away in the night. And I saw the one with the burly farmer being reunited with Mousetrap, and that was a really lovely moment to go. <laughs> he came back and he found Mousetrap, who had been hiding under the water cooler. And he's, lo- he's lost everything, but he does have a cat. It does, it does help to momentarily take our minds off all the livestock that's been lost and the, and the livelihoods as well and yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, and family homes and... Uh, and the and human life. This. Yeah, and, and human life and as the, well. And uh, the import of uh, the bushfires and, and Victoria's worst ever natural disaster wasn't lost on uh, the premiere episode of Sunday Night, uh, which, which uh, I've which got, ran, uh, I've got which on Which started half an hour yet. late. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually only saw the first half of it um, where... Uh, I can't think of his name. Um, Mike, Mike Munro uh, was actually on location, and uh, there was there was kind of a crane shot coming into uh, the female presenter, whose name I also can't remember. Um, with Mike Munro on a big screen behind her, and as it came in, she kind of turned around, and suddenly we were transported out uh, out of the studio um, and over to there. It did 10 minutes on that and then uh, went on to the Brits uh, story, the Croatian backpacker um, story oh, about uh, yes. we reveal who who actually did it. Um, well, because they would have had a, a show that they would have thought is the groundbreaking show to, to get people hooked into this new Sunday night current affairs series and then suddenly a huge news event takes 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 place and they're yeah. like, well now we have to do news what are we going to do about it it's a really interesting scenario it'd be great to have someone from sunday night uh come in and talk to us about the decisions that go on 
uh, on, on a day like that and, uh, and just how do you deal with them? Uh, a couple of interesting things about that uh, as, a, as a new starting show. Um, they, they have a studio audience, but uh, they don't actually make any movement or noise at all. <laughs> That's bizarre. It was very Is it like bizarre. pot black? Do they have very polite applause after each story? No, no, nothing. Does nothing like that at Mike all. Mike Munro come into the studio and they go, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it was, it was very, very sedate on, on Sunday night. That's bizarre. Um, <laughs> a live audience for a news current affairs program, that's very, very strange. Also, uh, it's been reported that uh, the people behind uh, the show, executive producer Adam Boland and... Uh, former executive producer of News and Current Affairs, Mark Llewellyn, who are both working on the show, uh, are actually coming at it uh, from very different uh, kind of perspectives and bumping heads a little bit. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised because Mark Llewellyn, very newsy, uh, and wunderkind Adam Boland. <laughs> very Thank you much for his uh, full name there. Very much about uh, Brecky Central. Entertainment, yep. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on Sunday night and uh, and see what happens. Yeah, apparently they they did uh, lobby management for a delayed start date, uh, but management weren't having any of that. <laughs> of course not. And so. more musical numbers. Hi, this is Jim Shembury from the Age newspaper. Just telling you all to listen to box cutters if it's the last thing you do. Josh, Brett, and John are the most informed, entertaining, funniest guys you'll ever hear. Over a pod. I still don't know what podcasting is, but apparently if you go onto the ARPANET, you can, you can get it. The ARPANET. Oh, the internet. I'm sorry. That was the old word for it. Yes. Box cutters. Listen up. It's great. Now, despite the fact that I know I didn't enjoy the first season of Underbelly, and I think I made that quite clear on this show. Oh, didn't you like it? No. Not so much. What was wrong with it? Well, you know, let's not go into that. Let's uh, let's. Well, yeah, let's if, you, if you could pick one thing, what was wrong with it? Uh, the show. The, <laughs> no, what what one element of the show was wrong with it? Uh, what what really annoyed you about it? Historical inaccuracies. Oh, really? Yeah. Wasn't the uh, narration? Uh, oh, the the sometime narration. Actually, yeah, the the narration. Really? The historical inaccuracies. As I was watching last night, I was I was amazed at how much more narration there was. I know. Well. Despite the fact that, uh, you know, I didn't enjoy the first season, uh, I pretty much put it down to knowing the stories and knowing the characters and being annoyed by the details while not looking at the big picture uh, and also just hating voiceovers like I do. But so many people liked it that uh, there's always the chance, albeit not very likely, that I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that's possible? That's... It, it is possible, you know, roll of the dice, anything can happen. <laughs> so, with that in mind, earlier this week I sat down to watch the first episode of Underbelly 2, A Tale of Two Cities. What I found... Oh, sorry, just Underbelly. Oh, is it Underbelly? There, there is no two. There yeah. is no, there's, there's no, no two. Number. No. Why have I got a two in here? It's curious how that idea that, that they're obviously not numbering the Underbellies, but they're planning to continue these forever from the sound of it. Yeah. I, I wish it just said Underbelly 2 of 3. Because also, if it was Underbelly 2, it would legally have to be Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> That's it, true. In fact, uh, they would have to go back and rename the original Underbelly, Underbelly 3, and make this Underbelly 1. So you'd, you'd kind of get a bit confused there. No, no, no. If you're no, following you do, the Star Wars you, number yeah, episode. Yeah, this is 4 uh, through 6 of the original Underbelly, <laughs> and then they'll go back. <laughs> so anyway, looking at Underbelly, 
A Tale of Two Cities. What I found was a, a disappointing display of potential that had been dashed upon the rocks of Australian commercial television. I don't want to put too much drama in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd hate to do that. Yeah, hate to do that. In the first episode, we've got two main characters. Robert Trimboli, played by the excellent Roy Billing who uh, can't do enough in my eyes, and Terry Clark, who looks a lot like Matthew Newton with a moustache. These could be... Kiwi accent. And a Kiwi accent. He doesn't look like he's got a Kiwi accent, though. He does look like... Have you looked at his lips? Yeah. Yeah? I didn't didn't notice that. I didn't pick that up. No, I didn't didn't pick up that nuance. (laughs) Now, these could be really complex characters, but they seem to be whittled down to a couple of key phrases, including... Don't you cross me! And where's my money? The latter of which can be really interesting, as in the paperboy from Better Off Dead, but in this case just comes across as one-dimensional. The main problem, though, is that the storytelling is so rushed, we aren't given the opportunity to get emotionally invested in any of the characters. So we have no reason to keep watching, because we really don't care if they live or die, and they are most likely going to die. There also seems to be a rule that a random woman must show her breasts every 12 minutes or people will turn off. Did you turn that? Uh, you know what? It just felt. It felt like every 12... There were about... Well, it was within the first four minutes, so I would say, from the opening credits. And there were about six or seven uh, pairs of breasts throughout the two hours. I think the Triple I Radiothon has the same rule as well. It's true. Yeah. It's every true. 12 minutes. Every 12 minutes. Uh so I, I really find the whole thing condescending and a little bit boring, which is disappointing because we really could have some excellent television here. And I think that's that's what I hold against uh, Underbelly the most. The stories themselves told by somebody who cares are fascinating and exciting. Unfortunately here, it's like they're told by someone who not only doesn't care, but also wants to get away from you as soon as possible. <laughs> Uh, Underbelly, A Tale of Two Cities. It airs on Monday nights on Channel 9 at 9.30. What? You're, uh... I think that you need to take a different perspective on on the original Underbelly and, and this new Underbelly, A Tale of Two Cities, that uh, there, is, there is a history that, that uh, operates as a foundation to, to what we're actually seeing in the series. Um, that that you don't need to like it. You don't have to have the 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 various devices that you'd need just in a in a straight uh, fictional drama. Why not? Because because they these people actually exist, and we know that Robert Trimoli ended up in Italy. Uh, on a slab, and his photo of him there was uh, three quarters of the the uh, sun at the time when, uh, with the uh, seventy two point bold, uh, he's dead right. headline. You know that, but foreign markets don't know that. Twenty uh, year olds don't necessarily know that. Uh, and why does that change the way you tell a story anyway? I mean the. Uh, if, if you look at uh, films like Milk, uh, where they still manage to tell the story, Frost Nixon, where they still manage to tell the story, even though we all know how it ends up, uh, it, things like that should be a surprise. There is a chance to look deeper into the psyche of these people rather than having them just one-dimensional and ogling breasts. 
And I, I really think that there's... I that was a different time back then. And I think... I, I, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. People, <laughs> people did not have less interesting lives back then. It just That's just not true. I... See, I, I find it hard to, to watch this and ignore where my experience. So, so it's hard to, to take that objective look at, at it. So, as so, I'm, so as you, I'm would, you would just it. rather uh, a voiceover tell you this person does this, they're going to do this later on. Uh, let's look at them swearing a little bit uh, in between. Curiously, that's actually the same format as the dismissal, which we looked at. A few weeks ago. Which was boring. Which was actually pretty bad. But I was but, just curious. But it was, the voiceover, though, was landmark Australian drama event television. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so was Underbelly. And I still don't think it's very good. I don't think either of them are very good. Underbelly or The Dismissal. There. Take my passport away. I don't care. <laughs> but, the, uh, but the thing is, we have the opportunity to... I mean, The Dismissal. There's so much backroom shenanigans going on with the dismissal there was so much intrigue that could have gone into that script and it just again seemed so rushed and unnecessary uh in underbelly it's the same thing we're just getting snippets of what's happening but no understanding of who these people are why they're doing what they do i mean why is uh terry clark in australia running heroin how does he get from uh, from Australia to Singapore, where, where does his money come from? Where does his, you know, all, all of these questions, we just don't know and we never find out because they're more interested in showing him painting nude than, because uh, he does, he just he strips off naked, paints nude for no reason. No, like, and it, just, it tells us nothing about his character as, as a whole. Does he have dreams and aspirations? We don't know. We don't know. Where's the crim? See, this is my problem. That's, that's, that's what he does. Right, and, uh, and Tony Soprano had no, uh, no extra levels. Well, Tony Soprano was involved at a level that, was, that, that had a lot more responsibility than, than Terry Clark was. Uh, yeah, I don't buy that at all, <laughs> Brett. I don't buy it at all. People have their... Uh, internal drives that they that they move towards. I, I just think they're missing out such a huge opportunity here with Underbelly. I think these stories are fascinating. I think the way that uh, they're told in in the books are a lot more interesting than the way they're told on screen. And you've got so much more opportunity, but they're not using it as a visual storytelling medium. They're just using it as uh, a, an, an excuse to have some kind of sensational television show. I worked for them for the first series. Did you? No, it worked oh, for it them. Oh, it worked for yeah. them. For the, I was, was going to say, where, where was your disclaimer <laughs> about that? Uh, yeah, it worked for them for the, for the first series, but imagine how much better it would have worked if they actually had an interesting show. I mean, the, the thing is, a good story will go far. There's, not, there's nothing about that that's incorrect. and uh, And they're just not telling the story well. It won't... Uh, it won't last. It'll be like the dismissal, where if we look at it in ten years' time, we'll think, oh, "I can't believe we watched that crap." That's that's what I think about uh, about Underbelly. It's it's an opportunity missed, and it's very sad. Not that sad. <laughs> Press the button. <laughs> Box cutters. 
You know, not not so sad that it deserves stunned silence. That was the two just creepy. Oh, look, can I admit now? I've got to admit now. I've never watched Underbelly. I never saw the original. I haven't seen this new one. I I, I I'm a charlatan. I have no right to be here. Yeah, that's true. Uh, can you turn his mic off now, Brett? Yeah, thanks. No, it's, Done. It's for the best. Uh, Lie to Me is a uh, is a show that comes out of the US. Uh, stars Tim Roth as Dr. Cal Lightman, who is a specialist in body language. He can tell when people are lying just by looking at them. Mm. He's, he's more accurate than uh, any high-tech lie detector or that an you might egg. throw at somebody. Or an egg. Or, or an, an egg. egg. Yes. Which is a low-tech lie detector yes. from uh, somewhere in Africa. Uh, that apparently he had to have shipped over in dry eyes. should point out, too, uh, his character is actually based on Paul Ekman, who is a famous psychologist who, who does, well, basically does believe virtually things because he's the, who the character is based on. And Paul Ekman also runs a blog on the official website in which he um, occasionally corrects what was wrong ah, in the episodes. But that's we'll, the most interesting thing I've found out about this so show. We'll get to that in a moment. Tell us, tell us more about the show. Well, uh, so uh, Dr. Lightman has uh, a business where he gets hired by uh, the police or uh, private enterprise to research, interview people and research a situation, find out who's lying about what, uh, and then they get paid. Uh, and... Uh, Throughout this, he he has people who work for him. One guy uh, just refuses to tell any lies ever. That's his thing. In fact, to be to be too forthright about telling the truth. Yes, inappropriately. And uh, and they also go out and uh, find this uh, this uh, customs officer who is very good at picking when people are lying. She's and a natural though. She's a natural, and they uh, and they pull her into their organisation and start training her. Uh, it has all the things that you would expect from a regular kind of crime procedural show. It has uh, computers that make noises when things change on the screen. It has uh, it has people typing to zoom in rather than just using their mouse. Uh, it has uh, uh, it has all sorts of. It has some very freaky architecture. I've got to say yeah. the actual set. The sets are weird. It's got all sorts of whiz bang things that don't really add anything to the show. Uh, and it's also got Tim Roth, who is an excellent actor. Who's looking a lot older than he was in I've, uh, Pulp I've Fiction. Say, I, I did it's, actually... Yeah, it's, it's amazing how much people can age <laughs> in 15 years. I, I, my original thought was, I can't believe Tim Roth... You know, I, I felt Tim Roth is, is surely above this kind of procedural drama, and then I looked up what he's been doing for the last 15 years. Yeah, it's I not didn't, much. Nothing. I, I didn't believe... I didn't realise Tim Roth has basically disappeared in the last... Well, it's, I, I think a, a similar thing... Well, he started making his own films but, uh, and, and directing, which... Uh, uh, meant that he uh, was only taking acting work just to do just to get the money mm-hmm. said so he could make his own films uh, and that didn't work out for him so well so now he's doing this I, I suppose is the is the way that goes I have to say I found this show a lot like life a lot like house a lot like uh, shark shark oh so much like shark uh, a lot like uh, there was a, a show with a psychic, uh, a guy pretending to be a psychic. Psych? Yeah, psych. That was it. Was it the Mentalist? No, no, no. Oh, uh, no, yeah, no. The, the Mentalist. It's like it's like all of those shows. It's exactly the same. It's just cookie cutter. I, I, I had a weird thing with this. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's bad. Yeah, I'm not going to say this is a bad show, but I, I also don't think it's good. And I, but it was weird because I came from this having just read Quirkology by uh, Richard Wiseman. 
which is an excellent book about psychology experiments, in which one of the major chapters is that you can't tell if someone's lying from looking at them. It's not possible. <laughs> and many, many experiments. No, no, but there are, there are, there are 72,000 different muscles. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, and in, certainly in, in Wiseman's book. And so, yeah, I mean, and all science is, is evolving and blah, blah, blah. But, it was, but Wiseman has. He argues basically you can tell if someone's lying from listening to them. That's what really tells you and what they say and oh, how they choose to express it. Now, Ekman, but Dr. Lightman's uh, theory is that uh, you don't need the audio; you can just well, watch. It, them. Indeed, yeah, and this, this is this is the real theory of of um, yeah Paul Ekman, who's in his seventies now and has been doing this for. Paul Ekman also believes that there are no cultural differences in nonverbal signs, which I can't help thinking is a load of crap because it just I, I, yeah that's one of his one of his major you know. Uh, works in, in research has been to prove that that people, you know, tribesmen in Africa have the same expressions as someone in Zone One. Now, um, I just, yeah, and look, look, and I should, I shouldn't let that affect the viewing, but it was weird to watch this just after having read, you know, Wiseman's work to kind of go, I just don't believe a word that you're saying, Tim Roth. And then on top of that, I was slightly creeped out by the fact that they're a private organisation. Like it just struck me as a bit weird that they're not the FBI, they're not the police, they're not. Uh, a body that's answerable to anyone. They're, they're, they're a, a profit-making organization. That as far as I can see, they have no authority. But they go in every episode and destroy people's lives. Yes, <laughs> and and it was particularly there is there is, and I, I can't speak too much about it. Partly because uh, I don't want to spoil it, and partly I don't want to you know kind of just say anything that's outrageously obnoxious. But there is an episode about rape. Rape is a very difficult subject. Not probably terribly good for a quirky procedural such as this and i think also possibly the performer playing the commander in it was possibly too good but at the end of it i just couldn't help thinking the most horrible tragedy had just happened and the wrong man was being taken <laughs> away yeah you know, it was just that thing of going I-, I can't believe you think this is an acceptable ending because this is not a show i think shows about moral ambiguity are really interesting this is not meant to be a show about moral ambiguity and yet i found the characters incredibly ambiguous well, the, morally that that episode was uh, was extraordinary for, for that plot uh, i think all the all the actors all the uh, uh, all the the uh, guest actors for for that they were quite good mm. they were quite good in creating doubt in our minds and uh, i i do think that the writing did let it down there because the uh, it wasn't a categorical answer. There was there was no absolute. It was still a you know they kind of tricked him into into saying, oh yeah, Raptor, it, which he kind of didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's just really weird because the episode wanted to wrap itself up in a very kind of you know Quincy esque kind of you know that's him, officer. That's the one, and you're going. But that's not the issue here. The issue you've presented us, the audience, is so much greater than what you're now trying to wrap up in the last five minutes of of an episode. One of the things I find quite annoying about Lie to Me, and uh, this is in, in, not in any of those other shows that I've seen, it's how it tries to uh, bring evidence to the viewer that someone must be lying, uh, and they do that by showing a gesture that uh, one of the characters does and then comparing that with gestures that we're aware of from the news. So, stills of... Bill uh, Clinton. Nixon. Nixon, George Bush. Bush Sarah uh, Palin. Just having these different facial expressions or these different hand gestures. Miss Carolina. When they're, when they're doing... Uh, 
something wrong when they're lying or when we assume that they're that they're lying. Curiously, that's one of the ones that Ekman put in his blog. He mentions there's an episode in which uh, they show someone holding their own hand, which is meant to be a, a self reassuring gesture. Mm. And Tim Roth and friends will say, she's lying. And as Ekman puts on his blog, it just means she's trying to reassure herself. Like, there's no actual... He's saying you'd have to take a very, very long bow to claim that that's a lying reference. And yet everything in the show seems to go, no, that's lying too. You're all lying. And (laughs) and as it goes through the show and and essentially kind of goes back to uh, the character as they've been talking in freeze frames on what exactly it was that gave them away, I found all of that so laboured. Actually, that's probably more the point. It's continual. If it had been done more subtly, I think maybe it would have worked. But the problem is that, you know, the actors have obviously been told, you have to shrug your shoulder at this point, or you have to do this. Yes. And they're doing quite a big action. And then you're having the zoom in. And things well, we, we all saw it because it, you couldn't miss it. You know, and perhaps if there was more subtlety to this show, I think maybe that's, that's the point. Is that you, you said it's like House, which I thought was actually a bit unfair to House because I think House is actually pretty good. And it struck me that... I know, but it, it, what I meant is it's the yes, same structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. But it's, it's just the lack of subtlety. And I, there's one episode in which they think uh, a woman might be responsible for, for a crime and then realize she's just had Botox. Mm. And that was actually, I thought, the cleverest thing in there because it was a really nice reveal to go yes we all we've had these rules and science but in fact it can be let down by very simple but outside I, forces. I felt that that was really signposted that was really obvious yeah it was yeah it wasn't the idea was kind of a nice idea it was a nice it was, idea but yeah. there was no subtlety in, in the way that it was uh, which there was, isn't to any of it really and and, and i was going to mention the the female characters because it does have two female leads which you know so bechdel test number one passed there and they do have scenes where they where they do talk about things sort of other than uh, emotional relationships they, they talk about you know um, that Tim Roth is a bit of a dick seems to be what yeah, they, they mostly talk about but they talk about uh, but, but it is why doesn't he like me or why is he being so nasty to me or yeah but I was going to say it's also that weird thing where they're not really characters they're more kind of sketches leaving out the bit that makes them a character I, I think um, Monica Raymond which, which is, is what makes it more like Shark than uh, yeah but Monica Raymond plays Rhea, Rhea, Rhea Torres I think she comes off okay because she has a thing, she's the natural that he... Actually, one of the only ideas I thought was kind of interesting is that he's meant to resent her because he spent 20 years doing research for what she can do automatically. But Kelly Williams, who plays Gillian Foster, who basically is exposition girl, and I felt so sorry for the actor because it's a nothing character. That's she's terrible. playing a sort of generic CSI woman who just wanders around spouting off exposition. And it's and, a terrible and, role. And her big thing, like her whole character is... She eats weird things at different times of the day. Well, she tries to eat, and people stop her. And people stop her. Oh, what, you, you're going to eat yogurt now? Yes. That's crazy talk. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. That's, that's, I don't know, it was odd. Very odd series, because I couldn't quite work out what it was trying to do. And it's a shame, because you do have... You, you've clearly got some great talent there, uh, and somewhat being underutilized. I mean, Tim Roth is really just phoning this in. Mm. Uh, there's nothing for him to do there because the, there is no substance to it. It's very annoying. Yeah. Very annoying. Anyway, that's Lie to Me. You can see it on uh, Channel 10. And, af- and after that, why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, we've bigged it up so much. You'll be, you'll yeah, be watching yeah. that now. Tuesday nights at uh, 9.30, I believe. Quite, quite possibly that might be a lie. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman, the postman, the postman, the postman, the postman.
What's the postman brought for us this week, John? There were there were many things. There were um, some actually lovely emails which we won't get to because we won't. At least one of them we're going to save for a future episode. We mentioned how we'll be talking about being human at some point in the future, and we got some excellent feedback on that. Yes, but we'll wait until we actually talk about that. Um, there were some lovely comments on the blog. Just very quickly to go through a few. Um, Noodles was a bit disappointed. We didn't talk about Moonlight last week when talking about vampire shows. Um, I, I thought we. He says you did talk about it in episode 107, and he points out, so it is therefore your fault the show was cancelled. Thanks, Josh. (laughs) Um, But because that was before he found out about the show, he hasn't actually gone back yet to see if if we liked it. Did you like Moonlight? Do you remember? Which which one was that? That was with the vampire and and the woman uh, working for the online news uh, service that obviously had uh, boundless funding for her to be able to... uh, Oh no, that was total crap. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was <laughs> total very crap. Poor. Sorry, was, uh, Noodles. I know you're enjoying it, but uh, yeah, Josh has said no. Um, Noodles yeah. said that was that his- wasn't us. That w- that got cancelled because it was bad. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. To- totally, we had nothing to do with that one at all. That was Noodles putting out his V sense. Is that good? Yeah, yeah, I he like put that. that. That was great. V sense. That was nice. Um, Mordois uh, points out absolutely correctly. It says, "Point of order, Mr. Speaker, wasn't Yardley Smith who plays Lisa Simpson rather than Nancy Cartwright who plays Bart, who was the secretary?" On Herman's head. Mods, all week, I've been hanging my head in shame yeah. at getting that wrong. I can't believe it. Well, it just- I, I, I fi- had figured, because I, I picked it up at the time, but I didn't say anything because you guys were talking so much, um, that, uh, <laughs> that I'd forgotten about uh, the, the Cartwright uh, character, but I have always remembered the Lisa Simpson uh, line where she's uh, chuckling to herself about something uh, nefarious that she's done and Marge gets her, get <laughs> asks her, uh, what's so funny? And she goes, oh, I was just thinking about a joke they had on Herman's head. head. Yes, that's right. Uh, Wikipedia also told me that um, Herman's head had the first commercial, uh, first commercial for condoms on US television, which aired on uh, November 17, 1991, during an episode of Herman's Head. And that question about Herman's Head and condom commercials was also laid to the basis of the half-million-dollar question on the game show Super Millionaire. Um, <laughs> there we go. Now you know too much about Herman's Head. You'll be at a party. It's like what Gillian and Dollar were saying before. And you'll go, did you know Herman's Head? And you'll have that from there. I already did know too much about Herman's head. Now you know too much more. Um, uh, Mordwell also points out that Dr. Death Canal should be using his powers for good instead of evil and mentions that uh, you could mention Carly, uh, Kyle and Jackie O at some point if you get a chance. Uh, sorry, I don't do requests. Uh, Darren Boxcutter says to avoid killing people every time Josh says a name, someone should do <laughs> Mr. Black over every name. It'll be hard to follow your conversation, but no innocent lives will be lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a fair, fair point. Well made. Dermbo says he thought we were being mean about the poor cross-eyed boy on the lair, um, but I just watched a clip and he is positively Bobby Batista. So you might remember, yes, last week we were, we were talking about, um, you know, if you're going to watch a, a gay vampire-themed show from... Philadelphia don't <laughs> uh, I'm uh, and Narelle Harris who's our guest last week actually commented on that saying I'm never mean I'm always scrupulously fair even about overacting campy cross-eyed softcore porn vampires and uh, Josh I, I was fairly sure that you had mentioned on this show but maybe it's just been off air uh, the uh, the new series on SBS uh, about the uh, female I think Carl uh, Cometti in P- P- PD. 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 What was that? Uh, Carla Cometti PD. Right. Uh, I got through about 20 minutes of that show uh-huh. uh, and uh, couldn't go back to it. So Now that you've named it, I think it's not oh, on this world. Ah, <laughs> that's yeah. what you wanted to happen. I saw, right. a po- I saw a poster for it in a cafe in Balaclava. 
That's, <laughs> that's as far as that's I've got so That's a good far. story. Cat Brain has recommended it, though. Um, I, it, yeah, you're going to break uh, Cat Brain's heart. It, it's funny. Yeah, we should say, though, that we, we don't review that much Aussie telly, partly because it's actually quite hard to watch Australian television. You have to actually watch it on television, whereas everything else comes to us through the magic of, you know, the internet. Uh, yeah, or you could tape it like Brett does, or put it on your hard drive recorder like I do. Yeah, but we don't, do we? I do. <laughs> or use that invite that I sent you for Dewana. Oh, I did. Yes, I, I downloaded something from that. Anyway, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, but I, I think we should probably try and you know, work in some more Australian television. Um, speaking of Australia, that's quite close to New Zealand, where Elliot is from. <laughs> um, and bless you, Elliot, who was, uh, who'd been watching the, the, the fires on telly and just wanted to know that we were all right. And we are. Well, thanks, Elliot. That's, that is lovely. And funny we, also. We are, but uh, a lot of people aren't. People and aren't. Uh, as we said at the start of the show, you can go to redcross.org.au or call up your local blood bank and see about making a donation. And if they have uh, lost interest over there in New Zealand already, I think the death toll's up maybe over 200 by now. I, I believe so, yes. So yeah. please do go redcross.org.au. And finally, Adam D left a. a, a um, says, I know you don't read this blog. Look, I'm reading it out, Adam D. I was trying to How figure out what he was that? talking about. If he Did was talking about the blog that he sent the link for or, or that, that yeah, we don't our, read our oh, own blog. I thought, our blog, read our blog. Oh, I thought he meant the blog that... Uh, maybe he did. That makes more sense. Anyway, Adam, or maybe he writes a blog that none of us actually know about. Adam D has, has left a, a link to uh, an article from the Age and Digihub which is about Freeview and it's actually well worth a read. And it kind of explains what the hell it is. It's exactly what we thought it was. It's what you've already got. With a different name. A massive scam, basically. It's, it's a badge. It's a badge. It's a badge. It's a badge that uh, will only be given to devices that don't allow ad skipping. Yep. A badge. Scam. <laughs> anyway, that's letters to box cutters. You can send your letters to hooray at boxcutters.net. Click on the talk to us link on the website. Comment on the website. Or send us a text to 0458-CUTTER. Hey, um... When I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. I wanted to uh, let people know that we uh, talked about Gavin and Stacey a few weeks ago. I really liked it. John was wrong. And... uh, (laughs) It's going to uh, be airing from this Saturday night, Saturday the 14th, on Channel 7 at 10pm. And you can hate it just as much as I did. Now, oh, I love it as much as I did. Now, it was uh, deadlocked when we spoke about it. I did uh, finish watching oh, the entire did you? series. Good lord. Both, both seasons? Of six episodes. Not the Christmas special, not the second okay. uh, series as yet. I'm still Chris, uh, Christmas special that. comes after the second series, mm-hmm. just so you know. Um, nothing like as hateable characters as the Catherine Tate show. No, no, completely different um, to the Catherine Tate show. Different kinds of hateable characters. No, 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 no. <laughs> having, anyway, on, having said that, was it was it actually supposed to be a comedy? It's a like it, I, I, it's a comedy drama. I found the I didn't find that much comedy in there, but I found that I was uh, very much enthralled by uh, the relationships between the characters and and that uh, that kind of Essex family Wales. Family, even uh, the two retarded children. I just, yeah, no. (laughs) The retarded children, Gavin and Stacey. I just, yeah, you know, no. The fact they could feed themselves. You're so cynical. Yeah, people get retarded when they go when they get into love. That's what that's what I understand from (laughs) Sweet Valley High books. 
Well, we all learn a lot from Sweet Valley High. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And that... Hey, oh, I've, what? Got, I've got one more thing. Oh, please, hurry oh, it up. There is this so is, much pork. It's, uh, yeah, but uh, it, this has been like pork. 82 minutes already. Channel 7 have uh, slashed four jobs in their sports departments. Uh, four? Four of them. Uh, a couple of techies, but also uh, the head of sport, Saul Stein, and uh, the senior producer, uh, Andy Kay, who's uh, the number two in at uh, Seven Sport, uh, was also understood to uh, be just sitting out his contract. Um, the, uh, the claims of uh, Stein's... Acting uh, say that it happened just after the end of the 2009 Australian Open. I just very quickly wanted to say uh, something which would have been news if we'd actually noticed it was happening months ago. Minder. Remember Minder? Yeah, I do. Have you been thinking, boy, I really wish there was a brand new series for Minder? No, no, I haven't. Well, there is. Um, there's a, a remake. The UK, the English have made a brand new version of Minder. Um, it, it features a character who's meant to be the nephew of Arthur Daly mm-hmm. and, and his new Minder. Um, we're not going to watch it. It's undoubtedly dreadful. But it was just even, just... even when they replaced Terry with that other guy. Yeah, you know. It was already... Too, too late. And it's just, just the shock, the sheer horror of knowing that both re- the remake and Minder happened, but it's currently airing and there was no kind of advance warning. So <laughs> if, you, if you're a big fan of Minder, that's something you can look at. <laughs> if, if you're a big fan of Minder, you can get the old series on DVD. <laughs> on DVD. Now, apparently uh, with Sunday Night, the, news, the new news uh, current affairs show on Channel 7 on Sunday nights, surprisingly, uh, they are continuing on on 7HD after the show with audience discussion um, and taking calls is from viewers. Is that what the audience is for? Yeah. Oh. yeah. So you don't actually get to see them on the main show. You get to see them on the channel that nobody actually watches. Uh, speaking of channels that uh, nobody's going to watch because there's no content. The Nine Network has uh, announced that it's delaying the launch of its secondary digital channel until at least July because they need to find something to put on problems. it. Because Gillian technical and Donna problems, are currently making all their material. <laughs> uh, TCN, GTV and QTQ need new digital equipment before the launch can occur, apparently. Uh, that's a delay of at least three months. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters, episode 168. I want to say thanks so much to our guests, Gillian Bartlett and Donna Lyon from Bamboom Entertainment. They weren't they, they were amazing. I, I just think their job is, is fascinating, and uh, I could listen to them uh, explain it for hours. <laughs> Shows you can make a career out of anything. Yeah. yeah. I was, yep. was going to say justified, but I think that's too harsh, because they do do good work. So, uh, that's interesting. Uh, also, thanks to Crumpler, our giveaway sponsors. Thanks also to 3RRR, whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week, even though sometimes we have to move around our schedule to suit their very important schedule. They have been training people, and if you want to find out more about uh, radio training, you can find that out on uh, the RRR website, rrr.org.au. Also, remember, redcross.org.au. I've got to keep saying it till you give them money. Redcross.org.au. Or call up your local blood bank and uh, and give blood, plasma, platelets, whatever you can spare. uh, Selvos.org.au. Oh, also, the Alfred ran out of morphine. Oh, so uh, if you can donate some morphine. Homebake morphine, please get that to the (laughs) Alfred. Bathtub morphine, do what you can. I know, it's it's crazy. It it is crazy. Uh, Our thoughts go out to everybody who is affected by the bushfires in Victoria. And uh, we hope that uh, it all stops very soon. Until next week. 
If you like this show, you can uh, go to the iTunes Music Store and leave a review. My name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And may your news be good news. And hey, let's be careful out there.